Welcome. To Arcade Audio. Welcome to another episode of Shared History. History. Mm-mm, good. I'll allow it. I always <laughs> look at you like I'm going to be horrified or disgusted by what you said, just because there's something about slogans that are just all kind of icky. Uh, yeah, and especially when there's like a mm sound in it. Mm-hmm. This is not good. Never met an onomatopoeia that I could handle in a slogan. <laughs> That's what Thank you need you to know for about me. talking about onomatopoeia because... People aren't talking about it enough. We hit the we hit the hard facts and hot takes on this podcast. So hot, so hot. Oh, on a monopia right now. Not a chance in hell. Uh, I know it's P O E A at one point, but... and I know that there are there are T's in there that I forget about. <laughs> um, you know who probably could spell on a monopia? Oh, my God. I'm so glad you asked. I'm not what a perfect to, segue. I'm not going to put her on the spot to do it. But uh, we have a it's a guest episode. <laughs> She's shaking her head now. <laughs> um, we have a guest today. And the reason I assume that there is a degree of spelling capabilities, even though as a writer myself, I know that not all writers can spell. Uh, our guest today is a playwright who is known for telling stories about women. So... That's why she's here. Also, because uh, she has a play published with Dramatic Publishing uh, that we found once upon a time because I covered them as a topic on the podcast. She has a play called The Night Witches. She's got a number of plays. Her play Ripped received the Will Glickman Award for the best premiere play in the Bay Area. Other plays include a science-driven full-length burst developed at Salt Lake Acting Company, Playground, and more. During the pandemic, she's tried her hand at a novel, which she's still developing, and yeah, novels. A big, a big bravo for the bravery there. Uh, it's our very special guest, Rachel Bublitz. Yay! Yay! I, thanks for having me. <laughs> thanks for joining us, and thanks for uh, writing a play about some badass Soviet fighter pilots that we found and then stalked you through the internet, and now you're here. I know. It's amazing. I love that play. Um, it, I loved it, know, too. Thanks for letting things. me read it. I know. it's in. It got published last year This in the pandemic, like in the heart of the, in the heart of the hard times, and like we had so many plans. And then it was all like, ah, oh, it's all done. What are you talking about? Theater's been theater's been busy and booming. Boom, boom, everywhere, yeah. Anytime we hear anything about a topic we covered, we're just like, oh my god, I'm so excited. Natalie found a Night Witch's board game, right, Natalie? What? Yeah, there's a board something? game in development. Oh, my, oh, in development. I thought I don't, it existed. I think maybe it's maybe it already exists. I don't. We're gonna have to get that. Amazing. The art, <laughs> the art of it is like beautiful. First of all. Night Witches isn't your only play that has a dash of history in it, which is my soft way of teasing what is coming later. But do you find yourself drawn to that kind of story? Like, do you like history? You have to like it to a degree. 
Oh yeah, I do a lot. And I just think um, there are so many women that we just don't know about. You know, they were doing awesome things all time. We're awesome. So, uh, <laughs> but like, we're not writing history. We're not taking accounts as much. And people putting together history books just aren't including as many women as they do women, men, excuse me. Um, and so you just forget that they're there. And uh, I'm especially interested in women during wartime because I feel like even in war, you get even less about women. Mm -hmm. um, so The Night Witches is actually the second play of mine uh, about women during World War II. And uh, I'm kind of teasing out my third one right now. It's going to be like not a trilogy in the traditional sense that they have a continued storyline, but just that it's like a different look at women during a really challenging time for the world. That's amazing. Yeah, I love those kinds of stories and like gravi definitely gravitate towards stories like that whenever I'm in whenever I'm in my nonfiction space of uh of what I decide to be reading at any given moment but it's funny we've covered a lot of like women in war or warrior women on this podcast and still every time but still every time we do we're like I have a treat for you and we act like it's this like <laughs> novel thing that we but like their stories are just so great and it's just like I do always hate that there's always, I feel like there's always a degree in them of like, yeah, she was a woman, but also she was a badass. Like we can't just lead with that. Or there's always a degree because oftentimes to your point, the records that we have about them were written by men mm. that there's a degree of like, I don't know. It feels very- We need to qualify the fact. Yeah. This wasn't always just a regular woman. She was like a, like a, a badass woman. We could have taken her on if she wasn't, but something. <laughs> yeah, had one... if she wasn't a particular. Yeah. yeah, we have to make we have to make excuses for our own inability to like defeat this woman in battle or like outsmart or out outwit her is always like a thing that I'm like, ugh. like, yes, Just... please tell me all the ways that this woman was fucking amazing, but like also, <sighs> no, I'm totally with you. That's I think. Uh, when I found the Night Witches in that story, and actually I didn't find it. That's a total lie. My friend, um, who's a huge World War II history buff, uh, his name's Chris Reed. He like called me after I'd worked on my first history play. And he's like, this is your next history play, by the way. And I was <laughs> like, oh, and I was like, oh, they're amazing. Um, but That's a good as friend. I, he's a, he's I was going to say, we all need friends like that like you're going to do this all right yeah bye. and you're like yes you are right <laughs> it's different if you're like <laughs> he'll kill me for saying this but sometimes my husband's like i have an idea for you and i'm like uh-huh <laughs> um, <laughs> my uh, dad does the same thing and i'm always like yeah that's an idea <laughs> um cast cast i don't know if you and i have ever talked about this but if you ever had anyone say uh, you can use this in one of your little, one of your skits, or for one of your improvs. We get. That I was a lot. just, I was just about to say how, like, anytime someone finds out I do like sketch comedy, because everyone I hear, I say comedy, they're like, oh, so you're a stand-up? I'm like, no, no. So what's your stand-up about? Yeah. Like, and then they figure out what's what sketches. They're like, I've got a skit idea for you <laughs> you're welcome in advance or they say some like dumb dad joke like you can use that this <laughs> my is mom is you. the biggest perpetrator of that. <laughs> and, and i hated it because one her... time she had a really good idea i was like god damn it denise <laughs> yeah that is but um 
so Chris told me the idea and it was amazing. And um, what I loved about them and writing about them is I felt like their amazingness was so intertwined to their womanliness. Whereas like so many of the other, like, you know, the, the, what we're going to talk about in a minute, <laughs> she's a badass and she's mm. incredible um, in a very masculine way, in a way that we typically look at like the heroines that, that pop up now and then. But like the Night Witches, they were embroidering together and singing songs and dancing and finding this like fierce bond through their femininity to one another while also bombing Nazis all night long. So it's like... Which is just like, what a day. Like, I'm going to wake up. I'm going to darn some socks. I'm going to go bomb some Nazis. Then I'm going to finish this amazing brocade in my embroidery. And I'm going to give it to my friends because I love them so much. Yeah, it's just. That's such a good point. Like, especially when it comes to war, it also happens a lot. And like women in, you know, science, business, whatever, they just have to eschew all femininity. They have Mm -hmm. to. You know, a, a lot of women in war are like, I had to pretend to be a man right. to do this. I We've talked a lot about, like, history of athletics. I'm a big soccer fan. It's something I see in sports a lot. Mm-hmm. Like, girls who, like, run like girls are not good athletes. And then you're like, they could run circles around you just because they don't, like, carry themselves more masculinely. And that's something that I needed to kind of check, too. I mean, my favorite thing on the soccer pitch is when it's like the like the smaller, scrawny uh, player slide tackling and fouling and getting yellow cards called and them like crazy. I'm like, yes, the most yeah, like please. unathletic looking person, and they're like, oh yeah. my god, you just did that. Just most like <laughs> my, innocent looking. My 13 year old daughter plays water polo, and it's the best. It's amazing. That's she's, a badass sport, right she's there. She's so tough. It's great. And like, <sighs> where I was talking to her coach and her and. I was like, you're not holding back, are you? Because he, he had been saying that some of the other players, because it's hard, like, kids have been told their whole life not to wrestle, and now they're, like, wrestle in the pool and, you know, hurt people. Like, <laughs> mm-hmm. And um, I was like, you're not holding back, are you, Audrey? And she's like, oh, yeah, I'm afraid to hurt people, definitely. And he's like, don't be. Like, <laughs> don't be. Right. And she's also, like, always been tall and big for her age. Yeah. So she's, like, doubly got it. Um, but like, I saw such a change after he was like, don't be afraid to hurt people. It is like, whoa, she plays, it's still co-ed cause she's 13 yeah, and she mm-hmm. just like shuts down all the under 14 year old boys. It's amazing. She's also 5'10". She's like, I'm 5'10". get it girl. Oh, nice. She spent the pandemic growing two or three inches. Like <laughs> if I have to be she's inside, really busy. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> eating everything in the house. Yeah. Uh, hard relate. Uh, I love that so much because, yeah, you do get told, like, like you do. And especially girls. Into, into holding back. And I've always said, like, in, in high school, I always, in college, I was always like, um, male athletes don't intimidate me. Women athletes are much more badass. Like, first of all, uh, girls lacrosse at my high school, Oof. like, you play with no pads on. Like, if you ever see, like, a rugby pitch of, Oof. like, of a girls rugby game, like, they're crushing each other in the best way and i yeah i always was like listen 
Listen, you men wearing pads, and now you have like the like the <laughs> women are just like just attacking each other, and it's beautiful. crying when you get tripped, or girls are like, "It's just blood. I'm fine. Let's go." <laughs> <laughs> They're it's like, okay. what? Is blood weird? And I found a way to make this about women's soccer yet again <laughs> and sports. But we've got more badassery to talk about. Yeah, let's talk about let's talk about the badass in question because we know we know what topic you brought because you wrote a play about her. Yes, I did. Her name is Nancy Wake, and she was amazing. It's funny how I found her. So I was in grad school at San Francisco State University, and um, I was in this play development class, and somebody brought in a history play. And before, <laughs> before this moment, I never wanted to write a history play because I feel like so often history plays are, um, it's like if you took a history book and you like opened it and you put it on stage and then you walked away and sat in the audience. <laughs> I know it's horrible. I'm a horrible person. But so many of them are like that where it's just like, and you know, it's not alive. It doesn't mm-hmm. feel um, challenging or relevant or now or all these words. Um, I, I think it's pretty rare for a, a play set historically to have those things. Um, and so I was in grad school and I was, I listened to someone else's history play and it was about a woman and it was terrible <laughs> it was so bad and um something about me <laughs> is like if i see something not great in the world that i think i can do better <laughs> i will go do it like i'm a baker as well so if i eat bad pie <laughs> Like now, I have to go make a perfect. Now I have to go home and make a pie. It's so bad to where like we'll be at a place and my husband's like, "Do not order pie for dessert." I don't have too much food in the house. Too much food. You're gonna bake all day tomorrow. Like we don't need it. Get something else. And I'm like, I just want to try it. He's like, It's not gonna be good. Stop it. (laughs) See, for me, I don't even. It doesn't even have to necessarily be something that I'm like, I can do that better. It's just like if I watch somebody do something more than once, I just get very like, I can do that. I've never done that before, but I can do that. That's how I started writing plays. (laughs) Oh, great. That's how I started existing in the world. That was that was me as a teenager. Anytime I anytime I'm like reflecting on me and me and my in my youth, I'm always like, wow, that girl didn't care that she didn't have the credentials to do anything that she decided to do when she decided to do it. And sometimes I miss that. I miss that blind confidence. Oh, man. I love that about kids. Like, I think it's like one of two ways. Either you're like too afraid to try anything. Or you're just like, I can do it all. Yeah, this is not a big deal. Why not? So I had the same blind confidence. And uh, I was talking about it to two friends of mine, Claire Rice and Tracy Hill Potter. And I said, you know, I think there need to be one, there need to be better plays about history. And two, there need to be better plays about women in history. Because if you're going to tell the stories, make them interesting and fun and exciting. Um, And so we decided to start a reading festival in San Francisco, and we called it the Loud and Unladylike Festival. We had one week to research different women, and then the next week we were going to have like a little dinner party, and we are going to talk about the women and pick them because we wanted to make sure that we had a variety of different stories we were telling. So I started looking up women, um, and Nancy Wake was one of the first ones that I looked up, and she, like everything I read about her, I was just floored, and I was like, how have I never heard of her? How, you know, like why did we never talk about this? Like all the things that, you know, she's done that we'll get to in a little bit, I was just amazed. And so... um, Um, we get to the dinner party and we're like, you know, we had dinner and we're, and we're talking and, um, I'm kind of, uh, 
headstrong and eager. So I go first. And I'm like, here are all my ladies. And I'm like listing them and like a little bit about them. But then when I get to Nancy Wake, I like keep going on and on. And I'm like pitching it to them. And they're like, oh, she sounds great. And I'm like, no, but you you don't understand. And like I kept going and I'm like, and then this and then this. And they're like, okay. And I'm like, no, <laughs> like one of us has to write about her. You don't get it. And finally, my friend Claire is like, why don't you? And I was like, no, I can't take her from you. Like, she's too good. Like, I don't want to like, <laughs> and they were like, no, it's cool. <laughs> you clearly you got this. To. Yeah, clearly. And I was like, oh, I felt like I'd won the lottery <laughs> in this weird way. And so then it started like all the, I don't know, the research phase of it started. Um, and I started to learn her story. And luckily, Right before then, um, I got to do a workshop with this other playwright called Ian Lewis, who writes amazing plays set in history and, you know, plays set in now. And she just gave me the best advice for writing history plays. And I'm going to say it and it's going to sound like one of the most obvious things you've ever heard. But to me, it was like revelatory. And she's like, it wasn't history to them. It was happening then. <laughs> and I was like, what? <laughs> but sometimes honing down on something so simple, like mm -hmm. history is taught to feel static and there's nuance and we're not, you know, constrained to the dates and facts we get in books. There's much more that happened. Yeah. And I think especially, you know, going to a school in the United States that decides to teach certain things instead of other things you know, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's always like, oh, like I remember being so upset when I learned about Christopher Columbus. Cause like I'm old enough to like have been taught that he was amazing. <laughs> yeah. And then I was like, yep. why didn't you just tell us or like not like, talk about him? Like it why? It felt like a secret, like a yeah. big secret that they were keeping from us. And it, it would have made, it would have provided much more context for things that you do did teach us about or that were like, Everything would have made more sense. I know. If we had been given accurate information. I really, yeah. That's another thing that I'm like super. I feel like people don't give kids enough credit for how smart they are and how much they can take on complex issues. Uh, and, you know, it is a lot easier them. to learn something correctly the right way than to right. have to unlearn and relearn something. I have a question about your research for the play on Nancy Wake. We had another playwright on, um, a Scottish playwright, uh, Adam McNamara, who's lovely. And he was talking about, because he, he's also a screenwriter, and he was talking about how he, he couldn't remember what the figure was, but that they say, like, if you're going to write about something, especially if it's, like, history, like, you have to read, like, you have to read, like, X amount of books. He's like, people are always, like, you have to read, like, X amount of books on a thing before you can, like, write about it. Um and that he was like, oh, my God, I can't. Uh, how, like, what was that? What was, like, your research process, like, like? And, and how was it difficult to find things to read and to, about her if she wasn't super well known? Right. Well, luckily, she wrote an autobiography. Perfect. And I read there are other, bi there's at least one other biography. It's, like, on my bookshelf right there, out of my reach. Um but other people wrote biographies on her and you could feel in her autobiography, which she wrote later, that like she was fighting those. So she was born in New Zealand 
Nancy Wick was born in New Zealand and then she moved to Australia with her family. Um, so there is a, a like a mini series about her if, in Australia. Okay. I will find it. <laughs> um, that looks pretty ridiculous. She was uh, very, uh, ups- not upset, but she was like in it. It seems to say that she was sleeping around with a maquis. And she's like, I wasn't. I mean, I wish I could go back in time and sleep with those gorgeous men because, <laughs> you know, like regrets. But like I didn't at the time. Like, let's just be real. Like she's her book is so funny. And all the interviews with her. There's also a lot of interviews. Um, she's just hilarious. Uh, I don't know if I I do definitely do a lot of research. I always, you know, I look on Wikipedia. And the great thing about Wikipedia is that you source things. And so those sources become like, oh, it's from this book. It's from this book. And then I can kind of start my reading list. I feel like I order twice as many books as I end up reading. Not a problem I ever have. (laughs) (laughs) I have lots of books. My house is made out of books, basically. (laughs) But I read until I can't not write the story. In my mind, um, well, so the Night Witches is structured where it's like one single night. And I'm, I love history plays or history, anything, histories like that, like Lincoln. You could tell so many stories about Lincoln and the focus mm-hmm. I really appreciate. So <laughs> I was definitely looking for something that was like a straight shot through. And as you've both read the play, you'll know that it's not. Um <laughs> It didn't want to be that. Like, I was reading about her. So she starts in Australia. Um, she's She works as a nurse briefly, and she hates it. She Her aunt passes away and leaves her a sum of money, and she takes the money and goes to Europe. Um, and this is before World War II's broken out. And she trains herself as a uh, reporter and starts go- being a travel reporter. And it's all, like, she's, like a budding socialite like she's gorgeous she's outgoing she doesn't care if she um lives in a hellhole of a apartment because she goes out with all these amazing people and they mostly pay for her food and her drinks you know like and, and she also doesn't sleep in her apartment very much like she is like happily living her life as a young woman in uh in england she this is where she goes she ends up um and she's dating quite a bit and seeing all sorts of people and living her life. Um, her travel reporter reporting takes her to Vienna before um, World War II, but she sees um, Jewish men and women being beaten in the street um, as a demonstration by Nazis. And she goes home and she writes about it. And I think that's a huge moment for her because she'd never seen anything like that before and like her life had been all not all but a lot of her life was about like party and being good Mm -hmm. and social things you know and that was like how can we treat other people like that and how can we do that and i think that's something that has always stuck with her that moment of seeing of witnessing that um but it's in england where she meets her husband henri um, and he's quite the ladies man. And like, they're in the same circle of friends. The way that they go out is the cutest story They're in the, he's like 15 years older than her, maybe 20. I forget exactly how much, um, but they have the same circle of friends. And so every time he, she sees him, she, he has a different young woman on her in, on his arm. And it's like always, and it's almost a joke to her, you know, and they kind of talk, they kind of, you know, whatever, but it's not super close. And then, um, <laughs> one day he like, finally is like why have you never asked me out 
<laughs> all the women always ask me out and she's like i don't know you seem to be doing just fine and he's like but i want to go out with you and i've never had to ask a woman out before <laughs> and she's like well you're gonna have to this time you know <laughs> i guess you kind of just did <laughs> yeah right <laughs> hey nat can we make this quick i have to go check on my sponge your sponge Ugh, you've been binging Bake Off again, haven't you? Four words. Paul Hollywood Soggy Bottom. Okay, well, when you're done with Amateur Hour, the adults will be over here ordering cakes from the pros at ECBG Cake Studio. Because they make specialty cakes for all occasions. We're talking custom birthday cakes. We're talking jaw-dropping wedding cake masterpieces. We're talking... Paul Hollywood just shook my hand, I deserve a cake cakes. ECBG Cake Studio, you said? Yes, and if you insist on trying to perfect your sponge, they also offer online baking classes. So follow at ECBG underscore studio on Instagram or visit their website, ecbgstudio.com. And so as soon as they start together, it's like done and it's, you know, big love story um and they seem to be perfect for each other you know like he uh owns business and is very successful he was in the first world war and he kind of supplies her with an incredibly lavish lifestyle they move to marseille in france where he's french um she learns french she learns she's like amazing with languages and as she kind of goes around, she picks up so many, so much. She has an ear for it. There's some people who just like can click mm-hmm. that on. Um, so they're in Marseille when uh, the war breaks out. They're in Marseille uh, when France is fighting Germany. She um, makes her rich husband buy her an ambulance so that she can. And he actually goes back into the war, you know, and France mm-hmm. is super poor at this time. So he's like using his own, his old uniform from World War One. I love that, like, babe, do you want diamonds? Do you want furs? No, I'd like an ambulance. Yes, ambulance, please. And (laughs) and then she's back to nursing, which she hated. But she's like, you know, I can do She has to do something, yeah. She has to do something. She's like, I can't just sit back um, and let other people fight this fight. I saw, like, again and again in her autobiography, she she mentions that scene in Vienna where it's like, I saw what happened. Um, And then France falls. And, you know, she has to stop her, uh, her ambulance driving days, um, in the Vichy takeover. And then she starts hosting. This is the funniest thing. So the Vichy arrest all the, um, the allied troops that are there and they kind of have a bunch of England, English men in, um, in jail, but like, they're also still French. (laughs) And so like, they let them leave to go have dinner parties. And like, so she goes and is like, I would like to check out these four, these four cellmates, please. And then she checks them out and then they bring them back later. Like after they've had their evening, like a library book. <laughs> yes. <laughs> All right. I'm going to take this prisoner, bring it back. Got my, my late fees. Yeah. Okay. Sorry about that. <laughs> but that's like, actually like, that's how they, that was an actual thing. Like, they would just, you could come for your dinner party and then go back to jail. Yeah. Like, that's crazy. It's so crazy. Well, they're like, 
you know, we've fallen to Germany. We've set up this other part of France, but we're all still Frenchmen. So excuse me. We're still... <laughs> <laughs> you can go have a bottle of wine and some cheese. Like, <laughs> Well, and this was also for like the social elite too, right? Yeah. 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 And Which... These are officers. Which yeah. is even funnier because, like, who are you gonna like let out of jail? Like, who's who has who's, more connections? Yeah. Hey guys, <laughs> promise, promise that you won't tell anyone anything. Yeah, and then you come back to jail later. Okay. Yeah, I know we can trust you. Who's the biggest like potential risk and liability to like just let out on their own? <laughs> Obviously. Oops. Yeah, it's hilarious. That's so that's crazy. Yeah. And that's where the play starts, um, is one of those dinner parties on Christmas. And um, she's checked out <laughs> Ian Garrow, who um, is English and is in jail for, um, you know, being part of the uh, English um, military intelligence thing going on. Um, and Patrick O'Leary, who, like, is... <laughs> This guy is has a crazy story because he presents himself as Irish, but people are historically are like, no, that guy's not Irish. He's from um, Belgium. And some people say he like there's all sorts of different places like you can't really quite place him. Um, but he was also a spy from somewhere. Uh, I mean, being unplaceable is a pretty good. Uh... It sounds like he was good at his job. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Um, who, but so, uh, they were over and they've been helping her or asking her to use her clout to, um, curry information and money and things around. And so at first it's like, it's not a big deal, Henri. Uh, you know, I gave up my ambulance, but now I can do this. You know, she dresses, she has the most amazing outfits, so she can go, has a very good excuse to go to Paris to go shopping which she does quite often whenever they need her to. And when she does, she drops off stuff for the, you know, the English spies up there. And then she brings things down and vice versa. Um, and Henri is like on board with uh, not liking the Vichy and the Nazis, but he's not quite on board with his wife being like front and center <laughs> for all of this, <laughs> which is understandable. <laughs> well, and I didn't know about the Vichy really like until this that there was it was literally its own kind of french state and they were allies with germany yeah and that the germans set it up to be like okay now you're this and yeah that yeah the leader of the vichy i forget his name but he's still like this huge um like source of shame i think yeah. for french people he doesn't have his own airport no, no charles de gaulle right there <laughs> And if it if he did briefly, it's definitely been destroyed. Yeah, <laughs> for sure. And I bet they actually talk about him in history and how he what? did screwed up things. I bet. Like, we made a mistake. Let's talk about it. So maybe we don't do the same mistake again? What? Well, that's what history is for. That's weird. Let's talk about the fuck-ups. <laughs> but we um, might be uncomfortable for a moment. We can't have that. Oh, Because no, then yeah, we'd have to, to, like... <laughs> Deal with emotions, which are... Confront our past. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, Rachel, we have your play, which is not called Nancy Wake. It's called Codename White Mouse. Um, th- would you like us to read the scene that we have, this this part of the scene that we've pulled that you've kind of perfectly set up? <clears throat> yes, please. Okay. Uh, 
I, wait, Cass, you called dibs on reading Henri, right? I called dibs on Henri. Natalie will be Nancy. In this, I'm Natalie's supportive husband. I was going to read the actual character. Oh, sorry. I I was just talking about our our podcast relationship here. (laughs) I mean, fair. Absolutely. Absolutely accurate. Fair. Um, Yeah, go with the character description. That's probably better. I also want to like, as an aside, Rachel, I think one thing that I absolutely love about the way that you write is that you like how many how many characters are in this? It's like 36. Yeah. And it's written for an ensemble of six. And I yes. I love double casting so much. And this is also such a like, I see it as a trunk show, like of like no set. Just like, I love, like, do what you can, make it work. Mm. Let's use our imagination because it's not film, it's theater. Like, that's yeah. actually what it's for. Yes. That's also a big um, drive behind The Night Witches, too. Um, yeah. And the way that, like, you know, the other actors make up the body of the plane and they make the noises. I didn't even know they could do that until we did it in rehearsal one day. And I was like, oh, it's possible. Like, <laughs> and it's it's amazing, too. Like, to Wait, Are we allowed stage. to do this? I, it In my stage directions, I was like, uh, so all the other actors make up the plane and then they also make it sound like a plane without any noise from like audio. I don't know if that can happen, but let's try real hard. <laughs> I love that because I feel like people think stage plays are so, you're limited. You can only do so much with effects, with sounds, with whatever, but you have you have the audience right in front of you. You have the suspension of disbelief when they're on your side. You can do whatever you want. Right? If you're doing it well, I would much rather see actors become an airplane and make the sound than a shitty CGI mm-hmm. alien in the back of something. That just rings false. Yeah. It's also just like some of my favorite memories on stage have been in like in college where we're student directed black box we're just working with like the black cubes and maybe like a $50 budget that you can spend at Goodwill to get like some costumes. Like those were always the best. Those are always the most fun shows as an artist too. Cause you're not like, mm-hmm. as much as I love walking on, like showing up to work and walking onto like a set that was like seemingly built overnight and it's beautiful. Like that's great too, but it's, uh, it's so fun when it it's so funny when it brings it back to basically I think wh- when I fell in love with acting which was like as a kid playing house and make-believe and make em ups and then yeah my um in grad school Michelle Carter one of my favorite teachers always said you have to leave space for your audience to climb inside with you and it's like I love that. yeah right I think about that all the time like the more space you give for your audience to pretend with you the more they are with you so we're going to trust and challenge our audience by neither of us doing an accent. (laughs) Um, So I'm going to read just the character breakdown so that you guys know. Uh, Nancy Wake, female 30s, any race, born in New Zealand, raised in Australia, married to Henry, Henri Fioca? Fioca. Crushed it. Yeah. Uh, A Frenchman and living in Marseille, France before the occupation. We just learned all this, a.k.a. Nancy Fioca, known to the Germans as White Mouse. Henri Fioca, male, 50s, any race, French, Nancy's husband, rich and powerful, owns a factory and donates a lot of money to resistance groups. Now I have to scroll to where we're going to read. Top of 11, Cass. Mm. Unique New York in red leather, yellow leather. You're not going to get the part, Cass. 
I'm in. I'm I'm in my character. I'm on me now. I'm ready. So it's Paris this time. It will be fine. Paris is crawling with Germans. It's occupied. How many shopping trips to Paris did I make before the war? I have the perfect cover. That man asked too much of you. I only have to deliver an envelope. So you're considering it. I told you from day one I would do everything in my power. So you've decided? Yes. And there's nothing I can say to change your mind, I suspect. Nope. But Nancy... Keep your voice lower. Nancy flips you... the record. As the first side has run out, she returns to the table with Henri. Have you given much thought about me and all this? What have you got to do with it? I'm your husband, for starters. Y- yes, of course, but... They could capture me in hopes to get you. They don't know who I am. Or my father, or my mother, anyone in my family, any of those law-abiding citizens. Snatch them in the middle of the night and put them through God knows what to get to you. They do not know who I am. My mother is scared. Look around, Henri. What mother isn't? And what if you're captured? Taken to a camp, do you think your friends will work as hard to get you out? That doesn't matter. Excellent. Wonderful. I'm thrilled to know that you have zero regard. You know what's happening out there? You've seen it. How can any of us matter right now? We have to We have to do all in our power to squash it. We have to. I love you, and I sympathize. You know I do. I hate the Nazis as much as the next man. Then you know that I can't just sit back and do nothing. Neither of us can. I bought you an ambulance when you wanted one. I taught you how to drive the damn thing, and every time those two walk in with their hands out, I make sure they leave with funds sufficient for flight papers. Exit visas. That's just it. I have no money to give. What's mine is yours. We are the same now. This isn't a choice for me, Henri. They can have my money. They can take this flat. They can have the factory. Take it all. Everything. Everything but you. I won't give you up for this cause. I'm not yours to give. You are my wife. And I have made up my mind. I should have taken my father's advice. He told me I was crazy to marry a woman so headstrong. Oh, it's a little late to reconsider. Isn't that always how hindsight is? Relax, darling. It isn't as if I'm sneaking people out of concentration camps or anything. How much trouble can I really cause with a package or envelope here and there? I suppose. And I'm very good at slipping through the cracks. You'd be impressed if you saw me on a mission. You never fail to impress me, Nanny. They kiss. I should get a start on this table. Otherwise, poor Marie will be up all night cleaning. When will you leave? Not sure. A month? Maybe less? Would it help if I joined you? It might. I'll run the idea past Garrow and O'Leary. Yes, they'll know what's best. Anything you need is yours. Everything I have to give. Of course I know that. And don't worry so much. If I'm caught, worrying about it won't be worth a damn anyway. Might as well enjoy what we've got while we've got it. Is that an invitation, Mrs. Fioka? Henri pulls Nancy into a long kiss. Let me clear the table. Then we can retire to the bedroom for your special Christmas present. Nancy gives Henri a quick kiss, grabs plates and platters, and exits. Henri sits. End of scene. Sorry, I just need I need a minute to fall out of love with me. Fall out of love with Natalie. <laughs> Henri, this has been great, but you must leave me now. I need to, I need need to go to back to my life. Him. I need to leave the character behind. It's so hard. <laughs> you guys nailed it. You nailed it. <laughs> so did I get the part? 
yeah. <laughs> we'll do it instead of with six people. We'll do it with two, and we'll do it on a podcast. Although, you know, I thought this play would do so well as a radio play, too. Oh, I can There's, totally hear that. Yeah. Yeah. It's kind of like with the scenes, each of them kind of like, it's like an own episode. Mm-hmm. I love Next that. Next time on Nancy Wake. It's why we had we had such a hard time uh like picking a scene or a cutting that like we could that we would do for this because we're like well should we because I was tempted to be like let's do one with a bunch of characters in it (laughs) because there's you have such great dialogue in some of the scenes like in some scenes with like a lot of people in it but and we had talked about doing one of the interrogation scenes which I'm sure you will get to in in your story about Nancy later but uh Cass 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 was like I have a feeling I'm gonna mess up when I'm supposed to be like whispering and when I'm supposed to be talking loudly it's like fair I have to say though when I when I read this play I like read that scene and I was like oh no like my heart immediately broke because I'm like I know I now I know but but maybe like yep. there's a glimmer of hope but have, at the same time I'm such time. a mean writer like I, I like so much of this play I'm like because then the next scene because then almost immediately after she's currying stuff she's literally breaking people out of concentration camps so it's like oh I loved writing that line I was like is this too much is so much of my like writing process I'm like well, was this is this too mean am I being too mean right now how much do I want to break the audience right yeah now? oh yeah the, I, I can't wait for this one day to be staged because, you know, when we get to it, the final scene is like, breaks my heart. Anyway, yeah. Um, but so, yeah, after this, she's currying things around and then um, Ian Garrow's in a concentration camp and she goes to break him out um, and she goes in as like his cousin <laughs> and has this whole big story. And um, I don't think the German officer really believes her, uh, but she gets out of the situation in one of two ways that she always gets out of situations. Um, one of the ways is to be like overtly sexual and drink a lot. <laughs> she doesn't use that this one. And the other time is like, she uses her like rich lady, like I'm in charge. Like, <laughs> let me talk to the manager. <laughs> you know, like I'm a Karen this. Yes. A hundred percent. Good. I'm going to Karen for good. Like she brings in this giant purse with money and like, things in it that are like hidden in the purse and he's like we have to search you and she's like you're not gonna touch my bag you're gross like (laughs) and he's like you know we looked into your records we know how that you took out a large sum of money yesterday and she's like that's large oh that's so sad that you think that the amount of money i took out yesterday is large because like i was just buying my husband boots with that and like he's he hates her so much (laughs) she talks about this in her book she's like he hated me so much but like that hate made him forget about her being a threat completely Mm -hmm. and so he she does get to visit garrow she does get to give him money and papers and all the stuff that he needs to get out um and so then she's like literally breaking she broke one person out of a concentration camp um at this point they like the german intelligence and the Vichy are kind of on that there's to like a socialite upper class woman coming in and out and doing things um and they give her the code name white mouse because they can't catch her ever which she just hates so much she's not flattered no no i think she's flattered because they like put a million a million francs on her head like she has one of the biggest bounties on her of any of the spies and that flatters her but she hates being thought of as a mouse 
because like mice are like meek like she talks about it so much how much she hates <laughs> she's like you know there's cats there's like all these other things that are good at evading things but you had to call me a white mouse this is ridiculous i almost didn't name the play um code name white mouse but this was one of the hardest plays for me to name and um i think it's a great code name like yeah yeah so i'm sorry nancy i'm so sorry well it's also <laughs> kind of indicative of a how much men underestimate women if someone's getting in and out and being stealthy all they can assume is that she's quiet and sneaky and we don't see her where she's like i'm literally under your nose i'm yelling at you that my bag is too expensive for you icky people to touch i'm wide out in the open sneaking in and out and yeah just yeah one little white mouse can cause a lot of damage apparently <laughs> yes indeed um but so after uh after the concentration camp she goes home and uh it's clear like they've heard things um her uh marie um it's kind of like their maid slash i don't know exactly how to describe it like they depend on each other they've been through a war together and they she lives with them and she takes care of her dog who she loves like a child um and they've heard things around town and they're they think they need to bring her in for questioning so you know but they're also being listened to that brings us to like one of my favorite scenes in the play where uh they have an entire conversation about bread and dinner but it's not about bread and dinner at all (laughs) And while Henri and her talk, she's, like, preparing to, like, leave forever. Um, and she escapes. And as she's on her way to Spain to, like, go over the Pyrenees Mountains. <laughs> Casual. Yeah, no big deal. Um, and she uh, is arrested. And they think that she has something to do with bombing of a theater. That the bombing happened when a bunch of German officers were seeing a movie. Like, you know. Like, like Inglorious Bastards? Inglor- I was right. just going to say Inglorious yeah. Bastards. Um, but they hold her on a charge of prostitution. Um, because that's how you hold women when you mm-hmm. don't have anything yeah. solid to hold them on. Yeah. Um, and they, like, you know, they, like, kick the shit out of her. And they do terrible things. And um, Patrick shows up again. Uh, and he knows she's being held. And they get out of it by pretending that they're lovers. And that she's was hiding the way she was was because she they didn't want her husband to find out, and so they like laid on really thick for these Vichy officers. They're like kissing. He like hand feeds her because she's like chained up, you know, and like, and she's pretty pissed at the beginning because he comes in like all like not covert. I think she come he comes in in a really similar way that she would have if she'd been Mm. on the outside, but being on the inside, she doesn't see it as a favor. And she's like super undermining him the whole time and like not believing in him. And he's just like, be chill. Can you be chill for one minute? (laughs) Like you, you have to go with this. You you have to help me sell this or it will not work. Right. Um, But you know, again, they luck out because the Vichy are French and they understand affairs. And so they're like, (laughs) totally. That makes sense. So they let her go, and she gets on a train to get to Spain. They get separated. Um, the train gets attacked. They, I don't think they specifically know that she's on it, but they know that there's a lot of people on it who are trying to get for Spain. It's attacked. She runs and um, gets into a field and then, like, runs across a field and finds a cave and just, like, hangs out for a night and is just, like, 
I don't know. I I feel like I would have died. <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah. I, before then, probably, because, like, I'm really bad at lying. Um, <laughs> but definitely by the... If I had managed to, like, muck through this, I'm, like, not a great runner. I would have been cold, like... Oh, when I am like the slightest bit uncomfortable temperature wise, I just I give up. No, I'm done. Sorry guys. <laughs> like, yes. Sorry, Never resistance. Yeah. I'm oh. <laughs> There's literally warmth on the other side of yeah. the snow. Like we can see the smokestacks. It's like can't I can't do it. Tap Sorry. out. This is real hard. Uh, um, I twisted my ankle a little bit back there. Right? And she's like also mostly wearing like nice shoes and nice clothes because she's trying to fit in as a socialite still to like make it out also can i just say adding on top of the whole like women doing badassery and not getting credit for it they're not getting credit for the like i'm saving lives or i'm a warrior and i'm fighting they're also not getting credit because they're doing all of this in heels and corsets and like bitch i can't breathe but i'm gonna run over the pyrenees and hide in a cave god damn it <laughs> every time you see like a world war ii movie and there's like a woman involved like the men are in their like their trousers and their coats and she's wearing you know like stockings and a, and a skirt a sensible skirt with a kitten right? heel i'm like and and look at this that. fashionable hat <laughs> and let's go Always through let's trot through a field with kitten heels as it gets in every like few steps i don't wear heels at all like i can't no. handle heels no that it's goes just... back to my i would never be able like i'm chilly yeah. I've got a blister right now. I don't have any insoles in. I wouldn't be able to wear heels in this historical context because it would intimidate men that I was too tall. That's my theory. I'd already Natalie be. Natalie could have been a hero, but she can't. People She's think that tall. I wear flats because I'm self-conscious about how tall I am. And I really just wear flats so that I can run through a field and hide in a cave. Fair. Fair. Because <laughs> sometimes, apparently, life calls that. Like, this is what you need to do right now. So she goes and hides in her cave. Um, and then she gets hooked up with this woman who I never could find her name. I gave her a name for the play. Um, but she just walks people from one side of the Pyrenees to the other with her dog through the war. That's like she just helps people escape. Just she's a, a daily stroll. From right? Like, to the and she's super like, these are the five things you need to know. Otherwise, you're going to die. <laughs> we don't have a lot of water. We don't have a lot of food. Don't bitch to me. We're going to make make this work or I'm going to shoot you. In Nancy's group, there were uh, – everyone else was men. Um, there was a few young American soldiers. There were some British soldiers. It's just, like, whoever has been, like, maybe slightly injured or, like, left by their people or whatever. Whoever is, like, you know, missing in action and needs to get back into things, she helps them away. Mm. Um, and there was – this is in the play too. This is a fun scene where like this guy is just bitching the whole time over the mountain and he's having a really tough time. He's like, I have a blister, you know, and I'm hungry (laughs) (laughs) and I'm done. And, uh, Nancy ends up taking out her gun and just being like, I'm going to kill you. Even though the shot will alert people, it'll be quieter than when you start screaming because you're starving to death. Like these are your options. And the lady who is leading them is like, yep, correct. Let's <laughs> she gets it right now. Yeah. And um, thankfully he's like, oh, OK. I uh, guess I didn't I guess I didn't think oh, this one through. Yeah. Oh, I'm the problem. Oh, <laughs> OK. I can try to move faster. He's been so <laughs> slow. It's just ridiculous. So he picks it up. They make it over to Spain. They get arrested again. Oh, I forgot. I, I'm going to 
go out of order a little bit. The funniest thing is when she leaves Marseille, she has a giant trunk full of clothes. Because, like, on top of all these things, she's also like, but I want to look good. <laughs> Which, like, she's, like, lost so much of at every moment. And it's just, like, constantly <laughs> being like, I don't have this. I don't have this. She's over the in the Pyrenees is when she realizes that her wedding ring at one point fell off. Um, and she doesn't know exactly when, but like, she's lost weight, you know, she's like hiking over a mountain pass. They don't have a ton of food. She loses her wedding ring. Then that, that I think is the last like luxurious item that she expected to have. But as soon as they get into Spain, they get arrested. First, they go to like a farm and try to hide out in a barn for a little while. And then they get caught. And I forget hundred percent how she gets out of that one, but it's another like brazen ridiculousness. And she gets over to England, finally. Um, and Henri, being, you know, arguably one of the best husbands ever, has, like, gotten her an amazing apartment. Had some portion of clothes of hers shipped there. Um, has things set up that, like, I wouldn't think possible during World War II. Um, and basically, she's free. She's safe. She could just sit there. She could just be safe in England. The The plan is that they couldn't travel together. So Henri is coming to England. He's coming to the same spot. So she could sit and wait. Mm -hmm. And like, that's the plan. And that lasts. So the sitting and the waiting and being safe is very brief before she starts working um, <laughs> with, uh, oh, what are they called? It's like the women's auxiliary movement where like the women helped Mm -hmm. the men but like they were allowed to like send letters and ask for money do yeah. you know what that was called i can't remember what it was called that sounds right it's, women's auxiliary sounds right yeah it's something ridiculous where like they sat in an office adjacent to men and asked people for money and like folded envelopes all day you know like basically <laughs> like there's a war and they're like this is what you're good for um <laughs> nancy kept going over to like the 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 men's side and being like you're doing this attack wrong like let me show you and they're like uh can you get this woman out of here please like don't you have something to like staple yeah <laughs> um sorry you're on the wrong side again go back which to... is which just makes me think like this war could have been done like two years ago if, <laughs> if if we weren't worried about like hurting our pride of just like oh ladies Let's oh. let you fight. Let's listen to you. Let's do all these things. Like, listen. At all the of end of the day, misogyny is just wasting bodies. Right. So much. Every every single woman, you know, has gotten herself out of worse things than the guys in her life. So, like, maybe we're better at planning. Well, literally anything. Let's just say we're better at planning. <laughs> I was gonna say like escape routes, but like now I'm just thinking about. <laughs> everything that's ever been planned actually you know what i was thinking is it either would it, the war would have been done in half the time or twice the time because we got two good planners working <laughs> it's true they're just crashing into each other oh. <laughs> cass cass they did it hmm? did wait what now they did it they, they finally did it greatest store in the universe who raygun they did it they're the greatest store in the universe oh Says who? Says Raygun. Oh, okay. I'll buy it. You know what else you can buy? Clothing, home goods, and time travel supplies at raygunsite.com or at any of their six stores. Exactly. Use promo code SHARIALATER to save on your next order. That's raygunsite.com, promo code SHARIALATER, all one word. Uh, 
yeah, so she's essentially miserable in England, working, you know, stuffing, stuffing envelopes. And um, Garrow pops out. He had gotten, she had gotten him out of the concentration camp, and he'd come, he'd gone over the Pyrenees like her, and was in England, and he was running the, um, basically the England English Secret Service. And he was like, hey, Nancy, are you enjoying stuffing envelopes? envelopes? Yeah. <laughs> How's this going? And she's like, hi, it's great. Obviously, I'm super happy. And he's <laughs> like, so I know Henri wrote to me and said you're coming and to like not ask you to do stuff. But and she's like, yes, please. And he's like, are you sure? Because I know Henri's on his way. And she's like, no, send me anywhere. I want to do anything. You know, I'll train anybody. And so they are like, okay, great. We'll send you in. They're sending these pairs of people all over France um, to help the Maquis. So the Maquis is like the guerrilla fighters of France. They're like the what was left of the soldiers that didn't decide to go with the Vichy. And they don't trust English people because they're French. <laughs> and That's got a lot of just history. ingrained in their yes. humanity at this mm-hmm. point. And the English, the England is trying to give them money and arms and it's not going well <laughs> and it's like hard to like connect and they also don't seem like they're interested in connecting but they very much need it like it's mm-hmm. it's a very awkward just situation. let me help you yeah <laughs> i want what's best for both of us <laughs> help me help you so he's like i think he'd be perfect we'll send you over with a radio person and the two of you will work with us here and you can help plan their missions and you'll tell us what they need and you'll tell them how to work, you know, bazookas and all these different things. And she's like, of course, yes, I'm in. And so she starts her training because uh, she has to know how to work all of the arms that she might get sent. And she needs to know how to build everything that she might get sent. And she needs to have combat information. And she just um, sounds like the worst person to ever have in a class or a training thing like she's like taking condoms and making water balloons and throwing them at her teachers like she's like every day (laughs) she's like a one person like dorm from like a boy's dorm in college she's like how can i make everything awkward and terrible for you um Please train me. <laughs> Please train me. I promise I'm listening. Oh, but I got it on your head. That's good. Because <laughs> it had been a bomb. That's, that's what I was aiming for. Um, but Garrow runs this division now and is like, if anyone can do this, Nancy can do this. So um, they train her up. They put her on a plane um, <laughs> with her radio person, who's amazing. Um, and they send her off back to France. So she's now like fled and successfully escaped France. And now is choosing to get on a plane to go back to where she's fled. Uh, I bet Henri loves that plan for her. <laughs> Super excited about that one. I think she like leaves a note at their gone, apartment. Gone to get cigarettes. Yeah. But like really good ones from France. <laughs> uh, so she, they get dropped. And as they get dropped, her parachute gets caught in a tree. And so she's kind of dangling there. And uh, Travaux, that's the character's name. I don't think that's his real name. That's also weird when I've written a play about it now because things are like a little fuzzy. But the like second in command of the Maquis unit that she's taking 
yeah, pardon. He like is supposed to meet these two people. He has no idea what gender they are. He has no idea really what to expect. And um, he like and here's walks... Nancy dangling yeah, in a tree. Yeah, here's Nancy dangling in a tree. And apparently he like looks up at her and he's like, "Oh, do all the fruit in this forest ha- are so pretty or something like that?" And she looks at him and is like, "Cut the front shit and get me down." <laughs> 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 so he cuts her out. Um, and they meet up with the radio person. His name I didn't change, and now I can't think of it, but he's also really cool. Um, oh, you have the play in front of you. I have it in you front of me. You can tell me things. I can look these things up for this you. This amazing technology. <laughs> Rake. Yeah. That's his yeah. last name, Rake. Dennis Rake. Dennis Rake. Dennis Rake. See, I knew it. I'm a, I wrote this play many years ago. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, right, so Dennis Rake is her radio person, and he, in the fall, was separated from the codes he needs to in to send any message out and to get any message back. And so he's freaking out. <laughs> While where they were dropped, it's like super dangerous to get dropped because, you know, the Germans are kind of familiar with where they're at probably and any plane is going to get targeted. And so immediately the lieutenant of the Maquis is like, we need to get out of here. And he's like, no, 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 I dropped something important. And they're like, uh, I don't think that matters right now. There, nothing can be that important. And so they leave it. The, the whole field gets bombed, and so it's gone. Um, and they bring them back, and, like, luckily Nancy speaks French. Rake does not speak French. And nobody trusts them or likes them at all. And they are actually very close to killing them both because they're like, this is pointless. You can't even get us guns. You came all this way. We said sure, and now you're here. You can't even do anything for us. Like, what is your point? Um, and she ends up convincing them by her number one tactic which is out drinking people she like loves i love this scene so much <laughs> oh my gosh she out drinks like that's how she gains the trust of all the men of the maquis basically is out drinking them because oh well, she was getting out of prison go all those wine parties she was practicing <laughs> she, she was practicing her whole life for this moment she kind of was it's pretty amazing so she is like i can get I know where the next town is that has somebody. I can get a message and I can get them to send us new uh, codes. I just need a bicycle. And they're like, why don't we just kill you both right now? She's like, or (laughs) why don't you give me a bicycle? Right. (laughs) And they're like, that's the stupidest thing I've ever heard. And she's like, right. But like a woman on a bike doesn't look suspicious. There be women on bike all over France, even now. Like women are <laughs> women on bikes. be biking. Women be biking. It's not a big deal. I will be able to, and I can talk. And I and she speaks French fluently enough that you know you can't tell that she wasn't a I French person, French, yeah. right? Um, and so they're like, uh, I don't like this idea. And even though it would only cost me a bike, I'm still gonna say no, and we're gonna kill you. And she's like, What if I drink all this? alcohol and you can't and he's like oh you're a small woman how could a woman ever and then he's she's like great if i drink more and he's like okay well i'll take that bet she's like here hold my beer give me the vodka right (laughs) and it's so ridiculous because it's like the bike seemed pretty easy for him to get and it's like what did he have to lose really like yeah like worst case she she dies somebody else kills her right it's less work for him yeah a lot less work and a lot less like you know not that they did paperwork but like a lot less explaining when england is like hey where are those agents we sent to help you like (laughs) 
I lost them. Yeah. Oh, they never got here. Weird. Um, so he find he does he he passes out. She outdrinks him surprisingly, not surprisingly because she's amazing. Um, amazing at drinking, and she gets on her bike, and she rides like two hundred and fifty kilometers straight, like does not break. Rides her bike until her like legs are raw, and she's. Nat, like, do you know what I'm gonna ask you right now? You're gonna ask me to. You're gonna ask me to convert it. We're two hundred fifty. I love a conversion. You said two hundred fifty kilometers. Right, because it's five hundred round trip. Because spoiler, she oh, shit. she lives, and then she has to come back. One hundred fifty-five miles. Oh my god! So it's like over that's just one way. Yeah, that's just, just one, one way. way. Jesus. So she has to go to this other town in France, this whole other district, and then convince their agent that she doesn't know that she's on their side, and to get a message back to England so that she can get her codes. And she trashed, doesn't... by the way. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, by the time she gets there, she's sweating all out. all the booze out, yeah. <laughs> just, like, right in and trying to look super casual as she, like, goes through... Ch- just sweating oh, alcohol. Yeah. Also, we're not riding, like, Tour de France road bikes. We're riding no. shitty, heavy... I got a basket on the back. I'm yep. still wearing my stockings and my kitten heels. Fuck off. Oh, it's my like God. A, it's, like... a. I don't know. It looks like I grew up in San Diego, so they're like beach cruisers almost. Yeah. Like but yeah, so she's riding in my mom's beach cruiser 250 <laughs> miles away and figures it out. And like, let the other person believes her. And she basically is like, look, you don't have to trust me that much. You, you don't have to tell me any of your secrets. You just tell your person in England that I am where I'm at and that I need codes. And if they don't know who I am, then they won't do anything about it. And then she just gets back on her bike and goes back to the French, the Maquis, who are, like, ready to kill her poor... So Rake is um, is also trained, but he's, like, a radio guy, and he's also super gay and, like, constantly hitting on the Maquis in this, like, situation where, like, if they say no, they'll also kill him. <laughs> And so she, before she leaves, she's like, Rake? And she knows. He's like, they're gorgeous men everywhere. And she's like, no, <laughs> not the time. Not the time, please. <laughs> and he's like, don't leave me. And she's like, come with me on a bike. And he's like, I'm not doing that. No, thank you. Um, no gears, I'll, no way. Yeah. So he stays back. She finally makes it back. And he's like, oh, my God, I was going to die. You know? Uh, and then they have to wait until, like, the message gets sent, and then they have another, like, shipment overhead, and luckily, finally, they get the codes so that they can finally do their job and outfit. And then it's a lot of things change after that for her as far as, like, the esteem of the men that she's trying to help out. Um, the person who kind of runs the uh, the whole encampment is super, super machismo and, like, another person she has to out drink in order to gain his trust um but as soon as she like starts putting big guns in all of his men's hands she's like "Ah, okay what a metaphor what a metaphor right there (laughs) he's like she's not maybe she's not half bad rick's like nobody liked it when i tried to put big guns in their hands (laughs) like i'm right here i was right here i've been trying this whole time (laughs) and then you know she 
they both start training them on how to use the arms and she starts planning missions. Uh, she does really like, she does mostly, they don't want her to be like in the combat. So, and a lot of what they're doing isn't necessarily like openly like, Hey Germans, uh, we're right here. Let's have a battle. Mostly they're like, we're going to take out this bridge. It's all strategic. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. And it's like, you know, we'll take out, they took out, um, (laughs) a winery because the, the Germans were like encamped there and like, this is a great place because we'll just drink all this wine. And so like they blew that up when they're the French had to blow up a winery. I know. Like, that's whew, that's you got to do something for country, man. <laughs> <laughs> but that's how that's how the um, that's like how the intelligence officers like divided up occupied France was in districts based strategically on like ports and industrial like major industrial cities and I thought so you were saying it, port like the the dessert yeah, wine. And, uh, <laughs> uh, ports, champagne. Yeah. They're in the champagne region. Yeah. The... I'm going over Strategy. to Burgundy. It was yeah. a nice Riesling came to visit today. <laughs> oh yes, we're working very hard down here, Hitler. Thank you for asking. <laughs> I put my liver on the line. <sighs> yeah. So she blows, you know, she plans lots of stuff, gets stuff blown up. Um at one point, she's like kind of off to the sidelines and watching everything happen. And uh, a German officer catches her by surprise. And she does this like chop to his neck that apparently kills him. Is this disputed? In her book, she's like, I totally killed a man with my hands. Other people are like, Which is like one hit? <laughs> yes. Other people are like, Oh, maybe. <laughs> but she swears, she swears she did it. She talked about it all the time. She would go like on television and show kids how to like (laughs) (laughs) in Australia. She's like, "This is my Nazi chap." She's super proud of it. Oh my gosh! Yeah. Oh, I I hope she made t-shirts. That's why Natalie does kickboxing. It is. (laughs) Must be prepared. She hasn't killed her trainer yet, though, so I don't know how I don't know how good she is, really. Yeah. Yeah. Hasn't really been progressing. I know. It's been Um, it's been hard. After one really great, they like they have this really great day where they blow up a bunch of stuff. She decides that her um, all of her men deserve like a nice night, and so she kidnaps like the best uh, chef in the region and like ransacks his kitchen and is like, "You're gonna make dinner for my men now." And she takes him back, and he's like, "They're gonna kill me. They're gonna know that I helped you. I can't help the resistance. I have a family." And she's like, "I have a gun to your head." Like, I'll make sure they see it. Do you want me to show you again? Like, you're coming. This isn't, you are not cooperating. This is a hostage situation. Yeah. Rough you up a little bit before we send her. Yeah, exactly. So she, like, has all sorts of these antics. She um, finds, like, an old school bus, and that's where she, like, sets up her office. (laughs) Where she, like, takes out the seats, and, like, that's where she uh, plans all of her stuff and you know, sleeps apart from the men and all those things. This is also like, I think why she was so bothered that other things implied that she was sleeping around is that, you know, she's like, I had a husband. I wasn't sleeping with these. I had a husband in a school bus. What more did I need? Well, her husband wasn't there. She obviously. No, but she had a husband and she she had had a school bus. Exactly. She liked buses. (laughs) (laughs) And school buses. Yeah. But as you're going through all of these little anecdotes, I just keep going back to you at that dinner party I know. bitching Nancy of like okay but you guys 
the school buses. We get it, Rachel, right? The play. She's great. <laughs> no, but let me tell you more. <laughs> Wait, there's more. There's so much more. There's so many stories. That's why I couldn't just do like one yeah. continuous one, um, which is kind of why I structured it. It's like 12 individual ones is how I think of it. It's like each scene is its own play. Yeah. Um, and it's episodic next to each other. And then I don't give you, this is the, how I've invited the audience in on this one is like, there is no information about what has happened in between any of them. Like, I'll give you the date and the location, and then we're in it. <laughs> and I think, you know, just come along. Just yeah, come along. Take my hand. Yeah. <laughs> now let's go. You know what happened in World War II. Like, I, when I set out to write this, I was like, I don't have to explain World War II to anyone, do I? Like, yeah. Um, so she's living in her bus and they do another raid. And as she's coming back from the raid, she goes and discovers that in their own, like prisoner of war camp, they have three women that she had not been aware of that, like her men are holding three women that no one told her about. And this was, this is another scene in the play. And it was something really important to me to bring up because I think when we talk about this war, it's like the Germans were evil and the allied forces were good. And we're very, we have a really hard time at looking at nuance, like you were talking about earlier, like seeing nuance of like, you know, people fighting for the right cause can still be terrible. So two of the women had been taken from a farm, basically, just like abducted. They were just like living near them and they got picked up. Uh, they were sisters. And uh, the way she says it uh, is that the, her men were using them as prostitutes, which is, you know, a, a way to talk about it, which is of a different time, because I don't think the term rape or the word rape mm -hmm. really yeah. Yeah. existed. Almost. Also, that implies that they were being compensated. Yeah. Yeah. Which they were not because they were no. being like held in a, a jail. Yeah. Um, but the and then when she asks her men about them, she's, they're like, they're spies. They're like you, but they're German spies. And she interrogates all of them. Two of them are obviously French women who just got the wrong place, wrong time. Yeah. She demands that they let them go. Um, but the third one is a real spy. She's a German spy and she figures it out. And, um, and Nancy's like, well, what are we going to do with her? Uh, we have to execute her. And the men are like, no, we can't execute. We won't execute a woman. And she's like, are you kidding me? What you've been doing to this woman is worse yeah. than executing mm -hmm. her. Yeah. Because they'd had her, they'd had them all for months. Yeah. And um, so she goes to kill, to execute the woman. And then they can't handle this. In the play, it's different. <laughs> but they can't handle letting Nancy, uh, they can't handle letting a woman kill a woman. And so she doesn't execute them. Another soldier is like, no, 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 Nancy, you can't do this. I will do this thing. So they execute her. Um, but she talks about it in, in the book and, and in other in interviews. And it's just like, she's like, I don't want that. to Like, I would want her to execute me if mm. it was switched. Like, mm -hmm. yeah, that's going to be better than whatever is going on right now. Yeah. Yeah. And that's near the end of the war. Um, and that's pretty like she has other adventures she has so many adventures that i couldn't include in the play it was hard to like just find 12 stories because she's so 
she's so fun. She's such a character. She's such this like larger than life like and it was so interesting to watch her change so much. Um but also like I don't know, become more essentially her the whole time as uh all these things change in her life. Uh so she goes she's at a heroes parade uh, and she runs into a neighbor of hers and her neighbor runs over and they're hugging and she's wearing her like the full uniform and she has all these decorated things and the woman's telling her how proud she is of her and that she's so sorry about Henri and that's like where she finds out that her husband almost instantly like very quickly after she had um, left Henri had been taken and interrogated and killed and he never told them anything but she had gone the whole war thinking that she was going to come home to him and it's just oh i had an at the victory parade too at the victory parade, like we yeah. did it we're done by the way and then that's here's your reward yeah also like i think yeah so much of the change of her like you know kidnapping a chef <laughs> And, like, having found those women, and, like, it just makes me think if she ever wonders what it was for, or, like, if what choices she could have made, or... It also makes me think a lot about the sacrifices um, that even the people living make in within themselves that they don't realize they would make by going through something like war and, like, changing yourself to be able to kill a human being is fascinating. And it's why I think telling stories about women that have done that is so important because we see that from a male perspective so often. Um, and women have had to do similar things. Yeah. I also but, feel like from a male perspective, we don't necessarily, like, we don't question it. We don't think about, right. like, what, ne- like... I don't know. In a movie, there'd be, like, one inciting incident that was, like, the point that they were, like, yes, I can kill someone. It, like, just took, like, this one thing we, like, flipped a switch. Um, and we don't explore it with the same degree of, like, nuance and also, also like, empathy uh, that we do when it's a woman. I think it's really interesting, like, kn- knowing now that you uh, ran into that into that group like into that meeting with your friends and being like i have these ladies but also mostly this one uh and that you were rattling off all these stories and having to having to boil it down to these 12 they do like beautifully build on each other in a way that is like both surprising and not like you don't you don't get to the end and go and go wow we've come so far away from the person that we were at the beginning because mm-hmm. you can go back and read the beginning and see nuggets of that there. Um, yeah, with that pig story? Yeah, <laughs> that pig story? Uh, that, that pig story that it made it, it made me think of, uh, what's that movie? Uh, the Guernsey Literary and Potato Peel Society. I was thinking about that earlier, yeah. The, first, the whole first scene, that's what I was thinking of that movie. Um just because, just because of the pig and and like not clandestine, but like kind of clandestine, like dinner parties. Mm-hmm. Uh, oh, and I guess wartime. I'll say for the people who have not read the play, and you can you can go read the play if you want. It's on the new play exchange. Um, but in case you haven't read the play, 
the pig story is a story that I kind of included in the dinner party scene that at the top of the play that she talks about how um, so you couldn't get meat a lot of meat at the time uh, it was mostly seafood uh, that's all that they could bring up and having a pig was actually like illegal because all the meat and had to go to the Vichy soldiers because they were like serving the government the now government of France they are people of wealth so they're able to have an illegal pig and the butcher comes to give them their illegal pig and is spooked and is like, take this pig. I can't have it at my house anymore. And and Nancy's like, wait, kill the pig. And he's like, no, <laughs> I can't. I'm too scared. And so he leaves the pig with, so Nancy and Marie are just like, okay, we have this pig. What are we going to do? And Nancy's like, well, we have to kill it. Like, I'm, I put so much money into this pig already. Like, <laughs> I'm going to eat this pig. And Marie's like, this is not a good idea. I did not sign up for this. Yeah. And Marie and Nancy's like, I think I've seen it. I think I got this. It's going to be great. Um, And it's not great. It Like, she stabs the pig and it's not deep enough and it's not in the right spot. And so the pig just goes crazy and runs all over their very nice flat in Marseille, getting blood everywhere. And Marie is like losing it. (laughs) And Nancy's like, calm down, let me get another go, you know? And finally, Marie's like, I'm going to get Henri. <laughs> and she leaves, and she gets Henri, and Henri, like, basically pulls the butcher by the ear back finish, to the house. Finish what you started. Finish what you started. And they're like, what has happened? And Nancy's just, like, <laughs> trying it, to get it. I'm ready to eat. <laughs> it reads like a very, very, like, morbid Ethel and Lucy moment. <laughs> Like, that's how I pictured it in oh, my head. That's like, that's my lane <laughs> as, as a writer <laughs> and consumer. Like, oh, I have this other play. It's not historical at all. It's just, it's scary and potentially future historical. It's called Funny Like an Abortion. And it's like a physical comedy with two women um, in a time when it's illegal to have abortion. And I when I describe it, I'm like, it's like, I love Lucy, but about abortion. <laughs> And there's like, <laughs> what? I know. That's also, that is also on the new play exchange. So if you're interested. Uh, Rachel, th- uh, that's a great segue to telling everybody where they can find out more about you and read your work. Oh, awesome. So I have a website, rachelbublets.com. I don't know if I mentioned this before, but I also have work listed on the new, the new play exchange. Ever um, heard of it? Yeah, if you've heard of it. It's um, if you're at all interested in theater, if you write plays, or if you're an actor, producer, director, anything, designer, uh, you should definitely have a membership. It's really inexpensive. I think it's like five or ten dollars a year, something like that. And once you have a membership, you get to then read all these plays that people from all over put on there and i know at first you could be like there's so many plays how can i find things and i'll give you my my hot tip is to find a writer you love that's on there um and then look and see who they've recommended and then you're like oh Mm. those are the and then you can go kind of like and build your web because when you read a play that you love you can say i love this play and give them a little recommendation um which you know might may or may not help them get noticed by theaters eventually so not only are you like letting the the writer know but you might also be helping them out um but a lot of my work's there and the only plays of mine that aren't listed there are the ones that have been uh published but they're still listed they just can't read it then you have to then you gotta pay um a lot of my plays you can read samples of um or pretty inexpensively read them from things 
Yeah. But also, it's okay to pay artists, so. Yeah. Let's <laughs> do that, friend. <laughs> Wild idea. Please pay Crazy. artists. Yeah. Um, and The Night Witches is a dramatic publishing. Um, Codename White Mouse has not been published, so you can read that for free on the New Play Exchange. And then I'm about to start. Well, I keep saying I'm about to start. I actually started the research last summer, but this is like a beast of a project. Um, and it's going to be my final play about women during World War II. And it's going to be called Capturing the War. And it's going to be about American, because I haven't written about any American women yet, but it's going to be about American journalists who are accredited during World War II. And that is really fascinating. Earlier, we were talking about like uh, leaning away from being a woman and versus leaning into being a woman in order to do things because there were two categories. They categorized women in two ways. You were either writing like a man, you were being a true newspaper man, um, or you were covering fashion and family. And so you had to write about the war, but through the lens of uh, fashion and family. Um, but it's fascinating to me because you get articles, like there's this one woman who wrote for the New York Times and she interviewed um, children in England during like um, all the bombings that they had and they didn't know what a street lamp was because they hadn't used street lamps during the, the whole blitz. Oh my God. And they were oh, too wow. young. They didn't believe her that bananas were real because they'd never seen a banana. They didn't. And so she had leaned in um that her name's tanya long i think don't you know i guess you're gonna quote me because i'm on a podcast but it's something similar i didn't know i was gonna put an asterisk on there oh yeah yeah um (laughs) great thank you um it's like this interesting lens of where she was like forced to write about it from a certain angle gives you like this experience that like you wouldn't get uh if it was any other if it was a male writer basically Mm -hmm. like because you know but it's so it tells you so much about the time and children and yeah they it's also great because you hear they because they are expected to write about family you do get to hear about children so much which is another group of people that we leave out of the narrative especially in wars yeah because that's a sad like that's not the good thing about that's the worst part about wars so yeah so that's one thing i'm working on and then i actually just been i can't talk about it specifically but i was just been commissioned to write another uh history play and i haven't signed the contract yet so i can't say it but it's gonna be so cool and it's not about war at all but it's still about women um and it's funny because i feel like in grad school i was like i'm never gonna write a history play and this is gonna be my fourth third or fourth history play and i love it so much you figured out how to do it right em lewis showed me the way yeah. talk about it like it's happening then because it is happening for them right now. Like, <laughs> it's broke it wide mind open. Blown. Yeah. I well, I have enjoyed reading everything of yours that I've been able to get my hands on, uh, and I'm very grateful that you've that you've shared things with me, uh, so that I could get my hands on them. Um, we loved having you on. It's funny. Uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm a I'm a potentially spoil a future episode because we're not gonna go into another story. But I was like. I knew I knew what you were going to talk about because I've read the play. And so I was like, I'm going to find another spy and we'll do like a double spy night. What a rabbit hole to fall down. But like there's everything and every single one of them could be like a play or a miniseries. And it was a very dangerous afternoon of of trying of trying to choose one that I would be able to potentially cover very efficiently. 
but then also being like, but this person and this person and this person. And then like, we've had a couple of listeners reach out and recommend uh, specific topics that happen to be women in, uh, in espionage that I was like, okay. But then I would research them and be like, there's too much here. I won't have time. There won't be enough time. Um, so, so listeners, maybe, maybe you'll hear another little spy stories later mm. this season. That's what ends up happening in our uh, in a lot of our other episodes, where it's just Cass and I. Is that the the topics that we prepared, but then we got too excited by guest topics, and so we didn't get to them. <laughs> um, but this has been an absolute delight. Uh, I just now I want to now you've made me feel like I can write plays because all it takes is for me to see somebody <laughs> do it well, and then I think I can do it. You can totally write plays. You absolutely. Well, just you just tell it to do the dialogue. Just That's do what it. Play is. Do it in the dialogue. Do it in the dialogue, <laughs> baby. Um, because we spoke of social media, Rachel, do you want anyone to follow you on social media or not? Nah? Sure. <laughs> I mean, I only go. I really only go on Twitter now because um, I have a Facebook page for my writing. Well, you can find it. It's like Facebook slash Rachel Bublitz um, or Rachel N. Bublitz because I don't know somebody else I don't know if you search Rachel Bublitz you'll see my little picture and if you click on it and it talks about theater then that's me um, <laughs> but I don't go on there very much because Facebook has come become a strange 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 place uh, and then I'm I'm on Instagram as well playwright bublets but then I'm more often on Twitter and that's at Rachel bublets um, and I will if you at me I will be like hey what's up <laughs> you follow me I'll say hey I can't I mean I can't can, I can confirm <laughs> <laughs> we could both 100% confirm um, fantastic well thank you so much for coming on this is so much fun I'm so glad that we got to read a scene a little bit of a, a little bit of a different format than uh than we usually do. I'm going to now require all guests to write a play about their topic so that we can read a scene from it. I think that's fair. Right? It's not an unrealistic expectation at all. <laughs> we make them do homework anyway. Just throw a play in there. Yeah, just, yeah, just a one a act if you want. It's just, yeah, it's fine. Just, just four or five pages. Like, that yeah. wasn't even that long. Just, yeah, even well, just give me a you scene. you know, you probably want a little bit more so you can have choices. Mm. thank you so what is an actor without their choices exactly so that you can read it and decide where you want to read them all right write us four one acts and then you can come on the show yes and you can send us those one acts in addition to any questions corrections or suggestions to shared history podcast at gmail.com we will have uh oodles of links and visual aids uh pictures of of nancy being nancy there are a lot of photos of her uh, over on in- our Instagram and our Twitter at shared pod, you know where to find them. Hey, just like you should read Rachel's plays and leave her a review. Like I liked this play on, uh, the player, the, what the, the I already forgot the name of it. New, new play exchange. New, I'm, I've, I'm a member. It's <laughs> <laughs> like, what is it on new, uh, play exchange? You should also, Leave us a review on Apple Podcasts for the same reasons. It helps other people find us, and that's good. Um, until next time, guys. Share, Share you later. Thank you for playing Arcade Audio. 
play more at arcadeaudio.net.